This message is by Jesse Green, pastor of the Union Square Community of Liberty Church in New York City. Some of you, some of you did not go to elementary school and played Simon Says. Okay, so here's the game if you've never played. I'll be Simon and I'll say, Simon says, touch your head. And everyone touches their head. Simon says, touch your knee. Everyone touch their knee. Now, if I say, touch your shoulder, but I don't say Simon says, don't do that thing. And here's the really iffy part. You guys are adults, so no cheating. So if you don't do the right thing, you have to sit down, okay? All the kids are dismissed. So let's start. Okay, Simon says, touch your head. All right, good. Simon says, touch your knees. Simon says, touch your feet. Some of you are realizing you need to go to the gym. (laughs) Simon says, touch your knees. Simon says, touch your head. Simon says, touch your knees. Touch your head. Oh, oh, oh. all right. Sit down, you head touchers. Sit down. All right. Simon says, touch your knees. Simon says, touch your head. Simon says, touch your shoulders. Simon says, touch your head. Touch your shoulders. All right. Sit down, you shoulder touchers. All right, you guys can all sit down. We would play forever because you guys are so competitive at Union Square. But the reason why I wanted to play this game is because I think sometimes Jesus says to do things and we do something different. So (laughs) Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And we say, I'll make myself fishers of men. I'll make myself great. I'll make myself a leader. And so I want to teach you guys today how to become an actual follower of Jesus by what he says and not by what we say. All right. So this message is called the way. And uh, a little spoiler alert for you guys. This is actually part one of the way, which means you got to come to church next week to hear part two, because you'll know how to do it halfway, but not the full way. So be here next week so that you can really follow Jesus. So let's turn to John chapter one, verse 43. And it says, The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Jesus says, follow me. Jesus calls us to disciple other people and to become followers of Jesus. But I think sometimes we get confused how to actually follow. And so I want us to read something in Mark 8, 34 in the Amplified. And the Amplified just kind of explains some of the more difficult words that are sometimes in the Bible. It says, Jesus called the crowd together with his disciples. And he said to them, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself. That's to set aside selfish interests. Take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, um, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. 
So this is the least popular message in modern day Christianity. If I said to you guys at the end of the service, if you want to follow Jesus, I will have a waiver here in the front. And what I need you to do is just sign this waiver that if you die because of your faith, you will not hold liberty liable. I wonder how many of us would actually sign that waiver, but that's what Jesus says. He says, this might cost you everything to be a follower. You, you might suffer or even die, but it goes against so much our modern perception of what it means to be a Christian. That, that can't be the Christ that you're talking about, but you'll see that it kind of is because God states us that we are to have no other gods before him. Do you want to know how I know that? Deuteronomy says, you shall have no other gods before me, period. So from my theological expertise, I believe that God is saying that we should have no other gods before him. So I have a question. Has anyone this last week visited maybe um, a temple with big, giant, golden gods and worshipped them? Everyone's like, if I did, I'm not raising my hand in this room. (laughs) Don't worry. We can pray for you later if you did. (laughs) But you may have not actually visited an actual temple, but we worship other gods all the time. We worship money, careers, relationships. Do you know you can even worship ministry and trying to be a good Christian? I believe that a God or an idol is anything that would prevent us from stopping to saying yes to God. So it's anything that you would put before him. And so it's really easy to kind of get confused in this world because we honestly all the time are being told that other things are more important and that this is the way that you need to go. And if you do this career path, you will have success. And this is the way to life. And, oh, you got to do things my way. But that's not really what Jesus says. He says in John chapter 14, verse 6 through 7, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, not one person, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him. You do know him and have seen him. The early Christians were called the followers of the way, not because of their Sunday church attendance, but because the way that they followed. Their lives were so radically transformed by following Jesus. And you know, We live in a society where it's actually, it's politically incorrect to say there is one true religion and one true God. You actually, you're kind of seen as a little bit judgmental if you say, no, it's my God, my way. But, but what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I, I am the way. And church, I believe if we really believe this, then we're actually the cruelest people on the planet if we let people choose their own way. If we let them just choose their own adventure in religion and trying to work out their faith. We're evil because we're robbing them from the way, the truth, and actual life. So forget being politically correct. Offer people the kingdom. 
Like that's, that's everything. I believe that sometimes following Jesus is actually really hard. Not every message that you read in the Bible got a huge amen. Honestly, I was reading Stephen's first message and best one that ended in him being killed. And I was saying to Parker at lunch, I was like, that message was perfect. He went through like the whole Bible in like four minutes. (laughs) And then everyone, it says they started ripping off their clothes, (laughs) screaming and killed him. So that's what good preaching looks like. (laughs) So if you guys do that today, I know I'm on the right track. Maybe don't rip off your clothes because that could be weird. So let's read John chapter six. This is after one of Jesus's most popular sermons. (laughs) Jesus tells the huge crowd of thousands to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Because here's the thing. Let me tell you a little secret about Jesus before you read this. Jesus rather have one true follower than thousands that are lukewarm. So right now what we see is Jesus is, he's on his way to the cross and he's seeing who's really with him. And so he says, after his less popular sermon, he says to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter chose to follow Jesus for one reason. Because only Jesus had eternal life. That was the difference. It didn't matter if the sermon was funny or cool or made him feel good. It was really like they didn't even understand. They're like, this is complicated to understand. But you do have life. And you do have eternal life. And you're the only one that does. So we'll choose to follow you anyway. So my question, church, is is are we following a made-up Jesus? Are we following mm, American dream Jesus with a little hint of Christianity? Maybe praying all the time for just ourselves. And what if, I don't know, in 2017, Jesus asked some of you to sell all your belongings and give it to the poor. Do you know in modern Christianity, we call that radical Christianity. There are books about how that is so crazy and radical But that was like just normal following of the way. And so I want us to start to question, are we willing to follow real Jesus or just the Jesus that gives us what we want and maybe makes us curse less? So I think the way that we follow real Jesus is through repentance. This is the popular message that everyone loves. The repentance message. I get the opportunity to give you the repentance message. But the reason I'm giving it to you, because if you don't have it, you can't follow. You can't follow. So when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples right after Jesus was resurrected, he gives them the power to follow. He gives them the power to live changed lives. And so a lot of us are trying to do this Christian thing in our own strength. You can't do it. Just watch the disciples walking with Jesus and they're messing up all the time and they're walking with Jesus. But it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can be transformed. John fourteen twenty six says, 
but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So is this saying that some famous preacher or some famous author is going to teach you all things? Who is your teacher? It is the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will actually teach you how to be a Christian. That is so awesome. So it's really less complicated than we think. He sends the Holy Spirit as our advocate to teach us how to follow. And then my favorite part is we forget all the time. So then it says that he'll remind us everything. He'll remind us how to follow. So when we forget, because we all do, we all forget all the time, the Holy Spirit just reminds us. And that's what conviction is. And so conviction just tells us, "Mm, not really going the right way. Let's try a different way. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter actually preached one of his best messages, which did not lead him to being killed, which was um, Acts chapter 2, verse 36. And it says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, that's a tough message, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles, okay, wait, I want you to look at this. They said, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you, to your children and to those far away. All have been called by the Lord, our God. Peter said, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. Church, can I have an honest moment with you? I have hundreds of conversations with people in church trying to get out of one of these things. And I don't understand why. People say, you know, I did a two-hour prayer session and I repented of all my sins. So there's really nothing left to repent of any longer. Or, oh, I was, I was baptized as a baby. I don't think I need to be baptized again. Or I was baptized when I was 100, and uh, I'm going to die soon, and I don't need to be baptized again. And I, I think I received the Holy Spirit. Once at a conference, someone prayed, and I believe I received the Holy Spirit. I I haven't really quite seen the fruit of that, but I, I believe that I think it may have happened. And my question is, is, are we the generation that we could put the next, my little quote up on here. Dun, da, da, da. I see it on the confidence monitor. <laughs> we are the, do we need to generation when the early followers were the, what do we need to do generation? And that is why they turned the world upside down. And we sometimes struggle with our faith. We are constantly trying to figure out, "Mm, do we need to? Do we need to repent every day? Do do I need to get baptized? I have a hundred reasons maybe why not. Theologically, I would like to debate with you on if I should raise my hands in worship. Do I need to pray on my knees? Do I need to wake up in the morning? Do I need to read my Bible? Do I need to join a community group? Do I need to go to church every Sunday? 
Do I need to serve the poor or give to the sick or pray for widows or for orphans? Do I need to do these things? When their response to the good news was, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And so church, I am begging us. Let's change the position of our heart to be the church that says, what do I need to do? Search my heart, God. What do I need to do? Repentance is the commitment to turn away from sin and to begin to fully follow Jesus. We receive his redemption and his forgiveness through repentance. So I was at my friend Emily's house a few weeks ago, and she has a son named Jackson. And she was feeding him, and he was sitting in a high chair. And she gave him some food, and he dropped it on the ground. And she yelled at him. She's like, Jackson, don't drop the food on the ground. And he was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. So then she gives him some more food, and he drops it on the ground again. And he goes, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm watching this whole thing go down. I can't say anything because I'm just the friend visiting. And she gives him food again. And she goes, Jaxie, no more food if you drop that on the ground. And he literally looks at her, holds his hand out, and he goes, sorry, and then drops it. He said sorry before he even dropped it. I, I like, I couldn't believe it. And I was laughing, which does not help the situation. <laughs> but I'm not a parent yet, and so I don't know how to practice self-control in those situations. So I'm laughing, and Emily is like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, and I realize, guys, we do the same thing. We come to church, and we're like, sorry, God, for what I did last night, and sorry for what I'm going to probably do tomorrow. <laughs> And sorry, sorry. And we say sorry all the time to God, but we don't change our actions. We don't do anything different. So we keep just saying sorry, but nothing changes. And I feel like sometimes God's like Emily in that situation where she's like, I I don't know what to do with you. Like, I can't keep giving you what you're asking for because you're you're just doing whatever you want to do. And so I think that sometimes... We, we get the whole Christian thing just a little bit confused. Um, I want to tell you guys really quick, though, one important thing to know about repentance is, is the difference between condemnation and conviction. So condemnation says, get away from here. You messed up. You are not worthy. You cannot do this. You keep making mistakes. You need to just get away. That is what condemnation feels like. But conviction says from God, come here, come closer, come closer. Let's work this out. Come close. The best revelation I ever had was what grace and truth is. Do you want to know what it is? I always thought it was like two warring worlds, like grace, grace, happy, loving grace, then truth. And I was like, I don't know. This one seems happier. So maybe this one. And I realized it's the same. It's the same. Grace and truth is Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. He is all truth and he is all grace. And he can give you the power to live just like him. And so 
Truth without grace, you can't do. Condemnation. Grace without truth, you have no conviction and you can never become a follower. But when the two are married together in the embodiment of Jesus, we can just follow him and all messed up, forgot what I was supposed to be doing. Holy Spirit advocate, remind me. And we just turn the other way and begin walking a new path in our faith. There's an amazing quote from C.S. Lewis. And it says, we all want progress. But if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man who turns back the soonest is the most progressive, also the most humble. Turning back and maybe going a different direction, maybe take some time. Maybe it takes admitting that you are wrong. Maybe it takes having a humble spirit that God can talk to. So I want to actually show you guys how I walk out repentance. And if you're taking notes, you can write these down. But these are five ways that I actually practice repentance every day. Sometimes twice a day or three times a day, depending on how bad the day. But it is a lifestyle. Repentance is a lifestyle. You do not do a two-hour prayer session and you are done with repentance for life. It is a daily choosing to repent and follow. Change your direction. So the first thing is, if you haven't done this yet, just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. So you can just pray, Holy Spirit, fill me. Then that's it. Two, thank Jesus for what he has done and what he is doing. Guys, we don't spend enough time thanking God for what he's already done. We wake up in the morning and we say, I want the promotion. I want my subway on time and maybe a miracle and healing on the way. But we don't thank him that he's loved us, that before we loved him, he loved us, that our sins are forgiven. And so we need to start our day with praise. And sometimes it's just saying, thank you, God, that I even know you. Thank you, God, that I just took a breath. Thank you, God, for give me something to be thankful for if I have nothing. And then the third thing is, okay, this is the one you guys are going to hate, but it works. So just try it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the hidden parts of your heart, the hidden parts, which mean that you don't know they're there and you're definitely going to fight with God. When he shows it to you. So a few months ago, I was doing this daily thing that I do. And God said to me, Jesse, when you spoke to that person, you were operating in pride. And I said, no, God, I was not operating in pride because that person actually did not know what they were talking about. And I was helping them. And uh, I actually knew what the right thing was. And that's what I was saying. And We took three hours to come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit was indeed correct. And uh, I was operating in pride. (laughs) But here's the thing. There's a 99.9% chance that if you are asking the Holy Spirit to reveal a hidden part of your heart, he is. He is, especially if you want to reject it right away. (laughs) So allow him to speak to those things, especially... If you want to go, no, 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 then you definitely have to listen. 
And so asking God, what are the hidden parts of my heart? David is one of my favorite people in all of history. He would say, search my heart, search my heart, God. And then we just ask for forgiveness. It's really as simple as that. You just say, well, Jesus, forgive me for operating in pride. I I don't want to be a prideful person. And so Holy Spirit, help me to change my way. Next time I'm in a conversation like that, if I start to sound prideful, just convict me on the spot so I don't have to do this in the morning with you. And I can just apologize to that person and talk to them differently. And that's what having a humble spirit is, is that immediate response. And then you just ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in your new way of living. And the thing is, is God wants you to live like this. So he's not going to leave you just high and dry as you're trying to figure out how to be a follower of Jesus. He wants to lead you into all truth and all life and into the way of the kingdom. So just follow. I um, have a quick story for you. So I was a Christian a few years ago. I became a Christian and I still loved partying. And I'd go partying and have fun with my friends. And partying in itself is not a sin, okay? So there are some things that you may be doing in life that are like, you can't find it in the Bible where like, like watching Game of Thrones, like is a sin or whatever. (laughs) Like you're not going to find that verse that like confirms that word for you. (laughs) Some of you are feeling convicted right now and that's not my fault. (laughs) But... (laughs) But, (laughs) but I was partying all the time and leaders are telling me like, you shouldn't be doing this. Like you're being robbed of like, well, but honestly, like it didn't really matter. Like I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. But one morning I woke up and I felt awful. Like I woke up just feeling miserable. Like my skin felt like weird and my whole body was aching. And I heard the Holy Spirit say so gently what is the fruit of your actions? I know. (laughs) And I was like, well, I don't feel very good right now. So is that what you mean by the fruit of actions? (laughs) And then the Holy Spirit very gently again said, does this feel like life and life more abundantly? And I said, probably not. (laughs) Probably not. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. But guess what? The Holy Spirit also has the power to go to the core. Because a lot of times, just as humans, we want to address the symptom. Oh, this person, drug addict. This person, alcoholic. This person can't get their life together. This person, angry. And we're addressing symptoms, but not the core. But the Holy Spirit has all the time in the world to address the core. So I sat there in bed and I said, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit said to me, said, well, what, what is causing you to want to do this? And I realized that there were deep roots of feeling alone and hopeless and feeling like I was never going to be really, truly loved or accepted. And so symptoms were being caused by the core of what was actually happening in my heart. And so the Holy Spirit has the power to show you that and shine a light on it. But then we have the choice to respond. 
So I had the choice to be like, you know what? I don't want to live this way anymore. I want more abundant life. It's this beautiful exchange that happens when we surrender our lives to God. It's not us like groveling about like, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. He's like, here's life. Here's life. Choose it. But we don't because we think we know the better way. So Peter says in his great message, he says, repent and be baptized. Why would he say that? Well, Galatians 3 in the Amplified says, for you who are born again have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are all children of God set apart for his purpose with full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union with the Christ, the anointed, have clothed yourselves with Christ. That is, you have taken on his characteristics and values. When you are baptized, you are declaring physically what has happened to you spiritually. You are saying it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You partner with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. As just a human, we are made up of three parts, which is our body, our soul, and our spirits. And I believe that when we go into the water, our, our body is the one that stops reigning over us. And our spirits are the ones that are now at the forefront And so when we come out of the water, we come and we partner with God in that resurrection and we partner with God in that new life. And so I don't get why we're wondering if this is something we should do or not. So (laughs) I have a little quote and it says, it is very hard to be a Christian without full submission. I don't know if they have that for the screen, but this is something that I just kind of remind myself of every day. That this is the hardest thing in the world to do if I'm not fully submitted to God. Giving to the poor all of your belongings, hard if you're not fully surrendered. Easy if you're already dead to yourself. Praying for the sick, awkward to do on your own. Really easy if you already died to yourself. Being a missionary in Africa With twin babies, hello, really hard to do in your own strength, really easy if you died to yourself and you're walking in resurrection power, saying yes to God, easiest thing in the world if you're already dead, easiest thing in the world. Romans 6, 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So if you're ever baptized, you, you died. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too, we too may live a new life. That's good news. Why are you robbing yourself of that? 
For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. The old is gone. The new has come. When you go down in that water, you are a brand new person. Spiritually, you can walk in the fullness of God. And when you say with your mouth and your heart that you believe that Christ Jesus died for your sins. And I'm going to give you the opportunity at the end of this service. If you've never done that, you can become a follower of Jesus. But when you are baptized, I can't believe, do you know, in the, when we read about this in the new Testament, as soon as they made the confession to follow into the water, they went into the water. They went, it's modern phenomena that we don't do this right away. I'm like, come into my pool if you've never been baptized. And by my pool, I mean my bathtub in my one-bedroom apartment. But you will receive. You will receive. I don't care. We baptized someone last Monday in a really shady spa. And it was weird. But God did what he needed to do. But the old is gone and the new has come. But the thing is, church, we don't know if we really want to die to ourselves. Let's be honest. A lot of times I hear people say, you know, if I start following Jesus, do I have to give up pornography? Or, you know, do I have to read the Bible every day? And can I like date whoever I want? Because my boyfriend like is kind of a jerk, but like someone. So can we keep on dating? And the thing is, and we can put the slide up, is will we live our lives by what's okay versus obey? Because especially people my age in this room, we are the generation trying to get by with what's okay. God, uh, I can kind of slip by in my Christianity because it's kind of okay. This isn't a really bad sin. Uh, It's kind of okay. Versus just radically obeying God at whatever he says to do. We think, you know, it's kind of okay if I sort of lie. It's kind of okay if I don't tithe this month. It's kind of okay if I just do whatever I want. But guys, can we be the generation that is so different? Where we just obey God. Because he's the life. He says, the king, repent, repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's here. And guess what the enemy says? Just do what's okay. Just do just enough. You have full access, but you're robbing yourself and you can't even blame the enemy. You're choosing to rob yourselves by not obeying God. Why would we not obey him? When has he ever failed us? The band can come up. So we have baptisms happening next week. And as as you can see, I'm pretty passionate about baptisms. I really am. Like even in the church office, I'm like, when are we doing the next baptisms? Like, let's just bring everyone to the beach. Like, I don't care where they have to happen because 
It is the most amazing thing, and I can't explain it other than it's just a crazy spiritual moment, the joy that comes out of the water. I can't, I honestly, like, you have to come and see. But when someone comes out of the water, just the joy of the moment, it, you, you see that God is real. And you see why, like, I want to be baptized a hundred times. <laughs> and maybe some of you need to be baptized a hundred times until you can die to yourself and choose to actually follow. But sign up for baptisms at the end of this service. If you have not been baptized, don't rob yourself. I don't care if you feel awkward about it or you did it when you were 2 or 10 or 50. If the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart to be baptized, please don't wait any longer. Please don't wait. Don't let a preacher or a person convince you of this. Just sign up and do it. A few months ago, someone said to me one of the hardest words I've ever heard in my life. And I wrestled with it for days. And we can put it on the screen. They said to me, they said, Jesse, would you be enough with Jesus plus nothing? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. And then I felt really angry. And I was like, well, what do you mean nothing? Like Jesus plus like my calling, right? Or like Jesus plus Parker or Jesus plus my apartment or like New York, like, like all the, the people that you've given us to lead. That's what you mean, right? And they said, no, no, would you be okay with Jesus plus nothing? And uh, I talked to Parker and I was so angry. Jesus wouldn't ever want you to just have just Jesus. He like offers you all these promises. So like, why would he say like, what about everywhere your, your footsteps is blessed and, but Jesus plus nothing? Well, what about being someone that changes the world, but is just Jesus enough? And it took me days and days and days of actually grieving things. I had to choose that there are so many things in my life that I added on to my following of Jesus. Oh, evangelism. I love evangelism. I love seeing the lost saved. But what if I never could do that again, but just had Jesus? Oh, coming to church. I love building the church. I love seeing you guys worship, and I love worshiping with you guys every Sunday. But what if he sent me to a desert by myself, and it was Jesus and nothing? Could I still find peace and joy in that? And I asked the Holy Spirit to get me to a place where my heart felt joy with just having Jesus. And I realize that a lot of us don't realize how good he actually is. And so I found this old email and I read it to Parker and I want to share it with you guys tonight. So when I first became a Christian a few years ago, honestly, like my whole life changed and I was working in nightlife and many of you guys have heard this story, but what I don't share with you guys is that most of my friends rejected me. Because I have this small, tiny problem that when I know something so good, I need to let everyone know. And the fact is, is that Jesus was real. He was real. And he just forgives your sins. And angels and demons are real. And all of the spiritual stuff is real. I couldn't believe it. I felt like I had been robbed of life. 
So I started telling everyone I knew. And one of my friends texted me and said, Jesse, I don't think we should hang out anymore. To be quite honest, I don't understand anything you're talking about. And I know you're, you just signed up for a mission trip and it's kind of weird. I just think we're like not really on the same path anymore. And I want to read to you an actual email that I sent to her and ignore the incorrect grammar because it was a quick emotional email. I said, I wanted to meet up because I wanted to talk to you about what I'm doing. I'm using every tiny bit of strength to do what I'm about to do. I'm grieving, giving up all my stuff, leaving my job, my friends, family, and partying. It's really, really hard for me. I understand it's not normal. Normal people don't sell their Louis Vuitton luggage to live out of a 70-liter backpack. I understand you probably have no idea what is going through my mind. Trust me, it's confusing for me too. But instead of us not talking, let's talk more. I want you to understand. You are my friend, and I want you to be involved in my life. So yeah, not sure really who I am just yet through all of this. I know I seem so different lately, but I can tell you a little bit about who I think God is. That may give you an idea of who I want to be. God is love. He builds up the sick, weak, and discouraged. He is a father, friend, lover, and judge. He picks up little children and wipes their tears. He is selfless and sacrifices. He teaches men how to lead. He fears nothing and loves passionately. He is God of forgiveness and grace. He inspires, holds, and teaches those that are hopeless. I can be none of these things without God. So let the change begin. P.S. I'm still a little scared and grieving the person I thought I was. But the freedom is so close. I can taste it. I hope you can understand. I hope you can understand. That was written six years ago. And there is nothing that qualifies me to be on a stage preaching to you other than the fact that I've been radically transformed by Jesus. And not a fake Jesus, not American dream Jesus, but Jesus that actually, actually in 2010 called a 20-something girl to sell all her stuff to begin to follow and to choose to actually die to everything that I thought that life was. The real Jesus was worth it though. The real Jesus is worth it where a woman sitting at his feet had to take a year's wages and pour it on his feet because of who he was. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Church Podcast. If you are in New York City or will be visiting the New York area soon, please be our guest on Sunday. For service times and locations, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.